0: My Prayer People, I am looking forward to sharing with you this week. I've been able to spend the week in the mountains at my laughing place and have loved it thoroughly. During this week, I've read an amazing book that I'd love to recommend to you. I'm not going to be talking about it anymore in this podcast, but I do want to drop it in right here and I'll have it in the show notes. This book was written by Jackie Hill Perry and it's called Holier Than Thou. And it's a book that is just. her unpacking the holiness of God, the otherness, the perfectness, the the beyond usness of God. And it is so very powerful. It answers so many of the questions that are being asked. I mean, the deep, challenging questions that um, some of our young people are asking us today. And I think that it would be very wise of us to um, do as much as we can to... Uh, To search out and to find ways to be able to communicate with integrity um, what it is we believe and why we believe it. And so anyway, Jackie Hill Perry does a great job with this in this book. So I'll put a link to the book in my show notes on this podcast. I also wanted to tell you that um, the The podcast this week is not the one that I thought I was going to do. Instead, over dinner, my daughter, Michael, started texting me, and she was urging me to... to be encouraged. Really, she was trying to encourage me, and I'm going to talk a whole lot in this podcast about that text exchange with Michael and really just kind of share that with you. So I hope this is encouraging. This particular podcast is especially for those parents who are parenting children who are deconstructing their faith. While Tom and I were at dinner tonight, Michael texted me And in her text, she urged me to do something that was really great advice. This is what her text said. Try not to let the devil twist things further than your kids already have to hurt you more. She was encouraging me to be careful not to misinterpret what was going on or even what my kids are saying to me in such a way that makes the wound even deeper in my heart lately michael's been talking a lot to her brother and sister more than i have even and she's she's very perceptive and something for us to remember as we're parenting kids that are deconstructing their faith is that every day can be different just like our own faith we are always working on it and they're they're always they're they're just they're how do you say, studying, um, thinking about, figuring it out, asking questions, finding the answers, and so we have to be careful not to jump to conclusions that they've not even come to yet. I think that's part of what um, she was saying to me, Uh, and of course, when she's talking to her brother and sister, it's different than relating to them as a parent, that's a given, And often our relationship with our kids in a situation like this is a lot harder than sibling to sibling. But at the same time, Michael's observations were very much worth pondering. One thing that she noted was that um, she and they don't have a problem with Jesus, that their main problems were created by the pain that was caused by people who claimed to love Jesus. So I got to thinking, when people say, I love Jesus, but not the church, could it be that they're really saying, I've been hurt by the church? You know, it's not that hard to get hurt by the church. And I think it's very possible that our kids who are deconstructing their faith, that some of them might be processing pain. In mine and Michael's conversation this evening via text, she then asked me, did you ever deconstruct your faith? And her question caught me off guard. But as I looked at her text and I stopped and I thought for a minute, I was like, yeah. I think I'm always doing that now that you ask. But I especially did when you left us and I'm constantly wrestling with God and asking questions. And that was the moment when she suggested that maybe I should talk about this in my next podcast. So here I am. I had to think about how I define deconstruction in order to answer that question, am I deconstructing my faith? And my working simple definition for deconstruction is this. Taking a long, hard look at your faith examining it for yourself, and deciding whether or not you still believe. Now, deconstruction is a lot of things to a lot of people, and it can it has grown larger than that. But in its very simple way, I think that's basically how I'm going to define it. Deconstruction is taking a long, hard look at your faith, examining it for yourself, not not for your parents, not for your community, not for anyone else, but is it working for you and deciding whether or not you still believe. Now, some people have defined deconstruction as um, an opportunity for you to take a, take a look at it and decide if what is true is true. And I have a hard time with definitions like that because things either are or they are not true. Um, Something that's true will not not be true next time or or be false next time. Truth is truth. And so just the fact that you're examining truth to see if it's true um, makes it no longer true. That makes it a subjective idea or opinion. Listen to these two definitions that I found on deconstructing um, or the word deconstruction. Depending on what circles you run in, the word deconstruction may be terrifying, trendy, or a complete mystery. In evangelical and fundamental Christian circles, deconstruction is coming to be viewed as an attack on Christianity itself and therefore is something to be carefully controlled, if not condemned, altogether. Let me stop right there in that definition and say that this was my first knee-jerk reaction when, when my kids started talking about and questioning their faith at an, at an alarming, well, just me using that word alarming tells you, when they started doing it in such a way that it was way outside what I was comfortable with. My knee-jerk reaction was to be alarmed, and it was to to view it kind of as an attack. And it was hard not to feel like it's a personal attack because our faith is so personal to us. But it also caused me to want to begin to maneuver and control, like to try to control this which I felt like was getting out of control. So very much in the way that this particular website is defining deconstruction was my first entry into how I felt about it. And so I'm going to read that again. Depending on what circles you run in, the word deconstruction may be terrifying. Um, in evangelical and fundamental circles, deconstruction is coming to be viewed as an attack on Christianity itself and therefore it's something to be carefully controlled, if not condemned altogether. And um, one thing I... I really haven't done is condemn it because what? how can you condemn what your kids are pursuing and they they're trying to find answers and so to condemn is counterproductive in my opinion. Anyway this definition goes on to say in progressive or non-institutionalized Christian circles faith deconstruction is almost an unspoken litmus test for whether someone is actually a Christian. If you haven't deconstructed then do you even love God? Now I have to say that I have um heard of people that have been in situations like that, where if you're not asking the hard questions, then you're not really thinking. If you're not willing to, um, uh, uh, challenge the traditions, then you're not your own person. And you're kind of belittled if you happen to just simply have childlike faith and believe. And that too, I have a hard, I have a problem with, because of all it because of that even i feel like also people are patted on the back and applauded for being courageous if they choose to not only deconstruct their faith but deconvert altogether and um that to me is a very sad sad thing but anyway uh this definition goes on to say that that happens and Then it talks about, um, in other circles, the word it's never mentioned, it's never used. People don't even understand what it means. But then they go on to actually describe, uh, define deconstruction, the faith deconstruction defined. A relatively new idea that arose out of the world of textual criticism, the word deconstruction takes on different meanings depending on the field in which it's being used. For our purposes, that is regarding religious faith, we'll define it as the taking apart of an idea... Practice, tradition, belief, or system into smaller components in order to examine their foundation, truthfulness, usefulness, and impact. So, there you have a definition of faith deconstruction that I found online. And another one is this this one comes from a a very um, conservative Christian website. And here's what it says Deconstruction is the heading most recently applied to the process of questioning, doubting, and ultimately rejecting aspects of Christian faith. Now, I, I want to stop right there because I disagree with that definition to the degree that it says that process questioning doubt and ultimately rejecting aspects of Christian faith. I think um, a better definition of deconstruction, like the one that I suggested, is the process of questioning doubting. And that whole ultimately rejecting No, maybe so. I think I would use the word deconversion for that, not deconstruction. Anyway, the definition goes on. This is an application of deconstructionism, an approach that claims to disassemble beliefs or ideas while assuming their meanings are inherently subjective. Now, that goes back to what I was saying before about truth. If if you're trying to decide whether truth is true, then you've ceased to deal with truth and instead you're dealing with Um, a subjective opinion or um, an idea or a belief, but if truth is truth, it just is. (laughs) Whether you believe it or not, truth is not subjective. So anyway, this goes on to say that um, it's an application of deconstructionism, an approach that claims to disassemble beliefs or ideas while assuming their meanings are inherently subjective. Both the trend and its title reflect backlash Against the unfortunate habit within some religious circles to downplay deep questions and ignore those who hold them. I want to pause right here and confess that when I read this sentence, I thought about so many times when my daughter would come to me. I I remembered about the seventh or eighth, ninth grades at church, and she would say, why do I have to go to Sunday school? And I was like, well, because that's where, you know, you have community with other believers and you're growing in your faith. She said, we just keep talking about the same thing that we have been talking about for years. The Bible stories are the same thing over and over and over again. And um, I remember being troubled by that because I thought, you know, we should be challenging. I mean, when I jump into the Bible, I'm still challenged. I'm learning new things all the time. I'm, I'm digging deeper. Uh, I, um, you know, all these things. But anyway, I also remember about that time in her life that her teachers would come to me and be like, oh no, I have Kaylee in my class this year. She's going to ask questions that I won't be able to answer. And so I do believe what this statement says is that both the trend and its title, both the trend of deconstructing and its title, deconstruction, reflect the backlash against the unfortunate habit within some religious circles to downplay deep questions and ignore those who hold them. My friends, that, that just should not be. In our churches... We need to somehow create the climate where deep questions can be asked, in fact, are encouraged to be asked, and together answers are sought out. And people that um, have the questions ought to be encouraged not to question less but more. Think about Jesus when he went to the temple when he was 12 years old and his parents couldn't find him, you know, that that speaks a lot to the way they lived in community. The parents, Mary and Joseph, just assumed he was with some other family members. But when they realized he was not and they went to live for him, he was back in the temple. And what was he doing? He was baffling the teachers of the day by asking deep questions, to to ponder, to think, to ask, to wrestle with, to... um. To uh, dig deep is is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And somehow in our churches, we need to cultivate that more, not less. Anyway, this definition goes on to say, to openly investigate the nuances of belief, even changing one's convictions, is a biblical concept. In practice, though, deconstruction almost always acts as a polite cover for demolition. Modern deconstruction usually means replacing uncomfortable tenets with culturally or personally popular ideas. And I have to agree with this because in our increasingly post-Christian culture, our Christian faith will be harder and harder to um, to walk in without those who don't uh, accept our faith, without them... Um, being offended by maybe even not what we say, but by um, the way we live, uh, it would be an offense to them. And so in an effort to adjust to this new climate that we're having to live in, some people are are trying to blend uh, what is culturally accepted and um, celebrated with their faith. Or they're having to deconvert from their Christian faith altogether so that they can live in the um, in the seemingly freedom of this post-Christian culture. Anyway, those are two definitions I found on, on deconstruction. And I still like my simple one, which is just simply taking a long, hard look at your faith, examining it for yourself, and deciding whether or not you still believe. So when Michael asked me if I deconstruct my faith, if I had ever deconstructed my faith, I, I, I said, um, yes, that I had. And what I meant by that was that I wrestle, I take a hard look at my faith all the time, and I wrestle, have especially wrestled with, at times, beliefs that worked for me until they didn't. I'll never forget coming face to face with God when he allowed the unthinkable to happen in my life. <laughs> and in my wrestling, my hardest part was to trust him no matter the circumstances. I still struggle struggle with how to be completely surrendered to him no matter what goes on around me and how to stand on the promises, trusting him completely to fulfill them. When I'm praying through pain, I just talked to you about that wrestle in last week's podcast. And so I'm working out my faith all the time as I share with you on these podcasts and as I write and I speak and all the things I do. In fact, when um, I was going through the hard season with Michael in her her life, um, I wrote seven books. That was me wrestling with my faith and, and um, examining it and taking a close look. You could call it deconstruction. So to wrestle with your faith and to ask hard questions and to face faith challenges head-on is to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And Paul encouraged the Philippians to do that in Philippians 2.12, and it's a great thing for us to continue to do today. And um, the difference, though, being that when, when we're doing our um, wrestling and our question-asking and our, and, our, and our pondering— um, a major difference in my life right now at my age, which, uh, Michael admitted was very much different than life at their age (laughs) is that I, I, I see the Bible as authority in my life. And most of my wrestling is wrestling to understand what it's saying and to believe it so that I can walk in obedience to God's word. But, When push comes to shove, I choose to yield to what the Bible says, and I choose to um, come under the authority of God in my life. And there's a difference in this kind of wrestling that ultimately grows our intimacy with God and the kind of wrestling that challenges God's right or God's existence or God's goodness or or anything about him and coming to the conclusion that he doesn't deserve to be lord at all or that um are coming to the belief that you were duped into trusting him at all or thinking that somehow to um let god be lord is going to um strip away and make you lesser than who you are. Um, so that kind of wrestling is very different. It's an untangling yourself from God. And so to the degree that deconstruction is has its ultimate goal to be untangled from God, I have to confess I've not done that. But if deconstruction is just taking a hard look at what I think I believe and how it's working out in my life, and how does this compare to who God is and who is God anyway, then I have done that if that makes sense, so Mom and dad as i'm i'm as I'm talking to you, I think that the pain in our lives is in knowing that God will allow our children to untangle themselves from him. He's never been the kind of Lord that um holds us captive to himself. We we always have the ability to choose whether or not to live um under his authority. And so God will allow our kids to live outside of his authority. And while they might think that we're terrified that they're going to end up in hell when they die, um we're really grieving more the life that um that they're missing in the here and now because we believe that God himself who created us knows best how to how to satisfy us and that in following him and being aligned with him that's where we find our our best life that there's that all other roads are going to are going to um be lesser lesser than that and so um we're grieving the life that we feel like our kids are missing and and most likely because of this uh divide if your children are untangling themselves from God and and you're continuing to stay um connected with God and if that's a source of contention like they're angry at their at what they perceive that christianity did to them or the church or whatever and you're still serving the church or you're still trusting god then just um your relationship itself becomes a source of contention and then you're grieving um the relationship that you don't get to have because of what's going on so um we grieve this pain the pain of loss um the pain that might come into their lives. Like we, we just don't like to hurt, <laughs> bottom line is. And so I didn't say all that to Michael, but I was trying to explain some of it. And when I started talking about pain, she reminded me in her text that life without pain is life without growth. Now, how does my kid know that? And preaching it back to her mama? She went on to remind me, and I'm gonna read the text. That to be a parent who desperately hopes that their child feels no pain is to also hope that they never know the true faith, true power, true love, true triumph, true independence, true need for God. Because life without pain is nothing. Oh my goodness. Think about that, my friends. Look at all that pain can produce. True faith, true power, true love, true triumph, true independence, true need for God. Come to think of it, like she said, life without pain is nothing. She went on to say she was on a roll. Even our body aches when we exercise and we do it all over again, tearing and ripping our muscles because they will come back stronger. Pain is growth. It's literally just that. So I guess my word for you in this podcast, my praying parents, is an encouragement to decide right here and right now that we're willing to trust God with the pain our children might experience in their lives. Because we're going to believe, Lord, that it's through pain that we develop faith, that we understand power, that we truly love, that we experience triumph, that we get to know who we are and who you are and how we relate with each other. So let's, um, parents, not be afraid of the pain. Instead, let's pray. For the pain that produces the very best that God has for our children. And hang in there. And let me leave you with Michael's final statement on her texting. If you don't know pain, you can't know pure joy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the prayer clinic podcast. Please remember that um, we are passionate at the prayer clinic to mobilize our churches to pray. And if you are interested in finding a really great plan for recruiting, training, and releasing people in your church to be able to pray effectively, to be able to pray God's word effectively, into the lives of others then um, check out prayerclinic.com where you will see what we are able to provide in resources in training and in coming alongside you to help you develop a powerful prayer ministry in your church i also want to encourage you my listeners to continue checking out the blog posts that i've written kind of around the theme of praying through pain and suffering on my leannemccoy.com website. The post that I have posted this week has um, not only scripture that you can pray, but also I've matched that scripture to worship songs and hymns that I found online. And so if you have a few minutes, take the time to just um, read those scriptures, underline them in your hard copy of God's Word, Maybe print them on a note card and commit them to memory so that you can be praying those as you um, go through your journey. But then also take the time to just sit still, to be still, and know that He is God while you're listening and worshiping with the music that I've put along with those scriptures, with the links to the music there. So anyway, just want you to check out the blog post on McCoy.com and to remind you that um, God wants our churches to be houses of prayer, and I'm here to help your church become just that. One more thing. If you know people who are uh, dealing with uh, their children, who are deconstructing their faith, maybe they've even deconverted their faith, and These are parents that are just baffled. They don't know what to do. They're um, pulling their hair out. (laughs) Please share this podcast with them along with the others that I had recorded back in December and January. I told you that every once in a while, I'll come back and I'll visit this subject. And um, this was a comeback visit with this subject that was inspired by my daughter, Michael, tonight. So anyway, um, you all keep on praying. And I look forward to talking with you next time.